Hi, I'm Brad Constantine, and this is a Come Follow Me podcast of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Although this is not an official podcast of the church, every effort has been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. This year's study is the Book of Mormon. Each week, a new summary podcast of that week's Book of Mormon chapters will be released. But if you want a more detailed analysis of each individual chapter, those will also be available to listen to. I hope this Come Follow Me resource will be helpful to you. As always, you can subscribe to this podcast so you'll be notified each week of a new episode. I hope you like this uh, format. Thank you. Hi, and welcome back to the Come Follow Me podcast for the Book of Mormon this year. This is going to be for the period January the 6th through the 12th, and it's going to cover 1 Nephi chapters 1 through 7. So this will be an overview of these uh, seven chapters. If you want the detail of each individual chapter, you can go to those separately on the podcast site. So first of all, we are, are shown here uh, as we begin the, the study of the Book of Mormon, um, the history of Nephi's family. Nephi is going to talk about himself and his family, first of all, about his dad, Lehi. And also, uh, just something to note, too, in the head note to the chapter, that that's actually a translated material that uh, Joseph Smith translated. That was written by Mormon, uh, as we get into the beginning here. Um, and also, to keep in mind the importance of journal keeping, which is really basically what this is, isn't it? Um, Nephi mentions in verse 2 that he makes a record of the language of, of his father. And... Uh, Obviously, everybody learns the language of their parents, but what, what is he really talking about here? He's talking about that he was able to read and write, which was not uh, that common back in the day. And also the language of his father being also being able to write Egyptian, which was what they used uh, for business purposes back then. Um, down to verse um, 4, uh, he mentions here that many prophets come forward. Um, now, that's not unusual. There's lots of prophets that uh, are coming forth. Remember that Jeremiah also was a prophet during this time, and we have the book of Jeremiah in the, in the Old Testament. Um, we have many prophets today. Uh, we call those apostles. There's at least 15 of them on the earth at the time. Uh, at least right now there are. And uh, so we have many prophets too, just like they did anciently. Down to verse 8, um, he was carried away in, the, in a vision. So Lehi sees this vision. Uh, verse 9, he says, uh, and it came to pass that he saw one descending out of the midst of heaven. So here he sees Jesus Christ, and his luster was above that of the noonday. Down to verse 13, he sees what uh, what he what's in a book he's, that he's reading here. He says, Woe unto Jerusalem, for I have seen thine abominations. So he's prophesying here the destruction of Jerusalem uh, because of their great wickedness. Now this was a, an act of treason considered by the king to be a treasonous thing. And so his life would have actually been in, in serious jeopardy here by doing this. Um, and so this is a serious problem. Verse 16, uh, Nephi says he's going to just do an abridgment of his father's record. And so we, we only have a, a small amount of what's going on here. Um, both of things which his father had seen and heard and wrote uh, about his visions that he's having. Uh, verse 17, I shall make an account of my proceedings in my day. So he's telling us that... I'm going to begin with an abridgment of my father's record, and then I'm going to proceed to talk about my own experiences and my prophecies, um, and he's going to write them on plates. Now, we know that um, when the when the Lehi's family got to America, that it wasn't until about 10 years after they had left Jerusalem that, ne that Nephi begins to uh, record on plates, uh, the large plates of Nephi, the history of his people, and then 20 years later, or about 30 years after they left Jerusalem, he begins the 
to, to uh, write on the small plates. And there's a difference between the two. One's more historical and one's more uh, more of the religious and the spiritual aspects, the small being the spiritual and the large being more historical. Um, so that's going to be a, a great distinction between uh, these, uh, these writings. Verse 20, uh, when the Jews heard about the things that he was teaching, that they were angry with him and sought his life, uh, but Nephi is going to mention in this verse that he's, he's going to show us that uh, God had tender mercies upon the family. Remember that this is being um, written down after all of this has happened. So um, he's, he's looking back in retrospect as to what's happened to the family. Now, chapter one is a very interesting um, summary here of some events that have occurred in Lehi's life just briefly. And it's also very similar to the, what, what happens to the prophet Joseph Smith. And I want to just point this out because it is remarkable. Verse four, as I mentioned, that many prophets existed at the time uh, for Joseph Smith. Uh, he read the words of many prophets in the scriptures as he was younger and um, and also uh, read uh, particularly from James 1 to 5. Uh, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. In verse 5 of chapter 1, <clears throat> Lehi goes forth or leaves Jerusalem to pray. We know that Joseph Smith left his home and went out into the grove to pray. In verses 8 and 9, Lehi sees God in Jesus Christ and and, and Joseph Smith also sees God in Jesus Christ. In verses 11 to 13, Lehi reads from a book. And we know that Joseph Smith obtained the gold plates from which uh, the Book of Mormon was translated. So Joseph Smith gets a book. Verse 18, uh, Lehi preached what he read in the book. And Joseph Smith also preached about the Book of Mormon. Uh, Lehi, in verses 19 to 20, uh, the Jews mocked him and wanted him dead. And uh, with Joseph Smith, that was the same, that they mocked Joseph and they also sought to kill him and eventually did. So we can see early on in the beginning of the, the reading of the Book of Mormon that it's showing us how a, a prophet might be called. And uh, it literally happened with Lehi and it happened the same way with Joseph Smith. So this has given us a good idea on what to look for uh, when a prophet gets called. So chapter 2 of 1 Nephi is uh, when Lehi has a vision of... Uh, that, that God tells him that he needs to leave Jerusalem. Him and his family need to go into the wilderness. Now, at the time, they don't really know where they're going. They're just commanded to leave Jerusalem and to go into the wilderness. Now, we know that around Jerusalem, it's pretty uh, pretty deserty area. And so their idea is that they're probably just going to go into, um, into the desert. Now, verse 4 mentions that uh, they're departing. They're leaving their house, their land of inheritance, their gold and silver and precious things. Uh, but notice that it says that it took, they took nothing, they, they kind of don't really mean this, uh, took nothing save it were his family and provisions and tents and departed. Well, we know that in order to, to depart with tents, you got to have animals and beasts of burden to carry all your stuff. So they probably had quite a bit of stuff to go with. If they thought that they were going to be in the desert for any length of time, they would have had to have had a lot of material and food and, and so on to go with them. And who knows, maybe they even had servants. We don't know that for sure. Um, but uh, they would have had, they would have taken a lot, uh, a lot with them. It mentions their travels as they go uh, down the Arabian coast here along the Red Sea. Uh, verse five mentions the names of the of the family with Sariah, the mom, and then uh, Laman, Lemuel, and Sam. And then uh, down to uh, verse twelve, Laman and Lemuel were the eldest. They they were complaining against their father. Uh, they did murmur against them having to leave Jerusalem. Uh, they didn't believe that the city would be destroyed, as was prophesied by their father. 
down to 15, I just want to mention this one. We laugh about verse 15 that it says, My father dwelt in a tent, being the shortest verse in the Book of Mormon. And a lot of people kind of make fun of that. But this is a significant uh, comment here that's being made that uh, Hugh Nibley says that uh, that this is a very significant comment that those that are, are um, that live in the desert, that the tent says everything to them, that this is the center of the universe as far as they're concerned. We also know in verse 16 that uh, Nephi is a pretty young guy. He's probably about 16 years old. Um, and then uh, it says in verse 19, uh, it came to pass. Now the, the phrase, it came to pass, uh, you should know that too, that, that that's uh, a common thing among uh, in Hebrew custom and Egyptian custom as well, that that's an, a necessary grammatical uh, thing to link ideas and thoughts back and forth in the scriptures with. And so this is a, a grammatical necessity. And as I mentioned, if you want more detail about that, you can go to the individual chapter and, and read read more about that. Uh, but that's an important thing to note. That that shows that this is translated material. It's not just made up by Joseph Smith. He wouldn't have he wouldn't have done all that. Uh, Nephi is blessed by his dad because of his obedience and being diligent. Um, and he says if he keeps the commandments, that he'll he'll do well. Um, now, it mentions in 24, if it so be that they rebel against me, talking about the older brothers, uh, they shall be a scourge to thy seed. Um, in other words, the problem that the Nephites are going to have later on is not the Lamanites. It's actually going to be themselves, that the Lamanites are going to be there to uh, give the Nephites problems if the Nephites don't keep the commandments better. So that's uh, kind of a nutshell of chapter three or chapter two. Uh, we'll go on now to chapter three. Uh, again, Lehi has another dream. Now they've traveled for several days. They've traveled down the peninsula uh, of Saudi Arabia. They've down, gone down several, uh, probably a couple of hundred miles, maybe even as many as 250 miles. Uh, they're camping. Uh, they're in their tent now. And um, Lehi has another dream in verse 2 that says that they're supposed to go back to Jerusalem to get the plates of Laban. Now Laban apparently is a relative of the family. Uh, we know that they're from the tribe of Joseph. Uh, and and um, Laban's genealogy is on this record, and so is Lehi's family family's genealogy on this record. So they feel it necessary enough that they need to go back. So this is a, a long trip back. It's probably taken them uh, ten or more days to get down here in this uh, in this part of the wilderness. That's going to take them some time to get back there. Now keep in mind that uh, they probably have horses as well as camels and. Other things, so they probably ride back to Jerusalem on a camel, and, and uh, you'll be able to understand why later. Uh, we know from verse 7 that that's a scripture mastery verse. I will go and do the things which the Lord commanded. That's Nephi showing his faith that he could do this. Now, as they get to Jerusalem, they decide that they're going to cast lots to uh, go get the plates, and the lot falls to Laban or to Laman. So this is an opportunity for Laman to show his leadership to the family, being the eldest of the sons. Uh, this is an opportunity for him to do that. As he goes to Laban then and, and tries to convince him to give uh, him the record, Laban gets pretty upset and decides that he's going to actually kill them. And so he sends his servants after Laman and tries to kill him. And he wants also that the other uh, brothers get killed as well. So this is a provocation, uh, the first one, to, uh, to, to Nephi and his family that uh, they, their lives are in, are in danger here. So Laman... Gets out of gets out of there, and then we think he probably had a horse to be able to go fast enough because on foot they would have caught him. Uh, but and then he comes down to where the brothers are, and then he says, "Well, we tried. Let's go home." 
Uh, but Nephi says no, uh, in verse 13, as the Lord liveth and as we live, we will not go down unto our Father in, in the wilderness till we have accomplished this thing which the Lord commanded us. So Nephi has faith that, that they can do this with the Lord's help. And so he's putting the Lord on notice here or letting the brothers know that if we don't do this, then we'll, we'll die trying. So they've used chance to begin with. Now they're going to use kind of worldly wisdom. They're going to go get their um, gold and precious things and stuff and try to buy the plates from Laban. And so they do that down in verse 22. They grab their precious things uh, in 24. Then they, they go up on, into Laban again and, and tell him that we'll give you these things if you'll give us the plates. And uh, that didn't work out quite as well as they'd hoped. Uh, and again, Laban... Uh, sees their stuff, he wants it, he covets it, he thrusts them out and sends his servants to kill them. So he's actually threatened their life twice and three times now. The first time he threatens Laman and was trying to kill him. The second time uh, he sends servants after the four boys and tries to kill them, but he also keeps their property, which is their inheritance. And so this is again the, the thir three times that he has threatened their lives. And so the, the boys take off, they head down south and they hide in a cave and uh, they stay there for probably a little a little bit. Well, Laman and Lemuel are pretty upset with uh, Nephi and Sam for this and so they start to beat them in 28. 29 then, an angel appears to, to all four of them and tells Laman and Lemuel to quit beating their brothers. In fact, that uh, Nephi is going to rule over them because of their disobedience and, and they're not keeping the commandments. And it's amazing to me that even after that, after the angel leaves in verse 31, Laman and Lemuel are still murmuring, even though they've just seen an angel. Uh, they don't think that uh, that they're going to be able to be successful at that because Laman or Laban uh, can kill 50 if he wanted to with his his people that he's uh, got under him, his army that he has with him. So that's uh, the end of chapter three or a summary of chapter three. Let's go to chapter four. Uh, so now Nephi uh, has decided that uh, he's going to let the Lord be part of this. I think it's interesting in verse 2 where he says, let us go up, let us be strong like Moses. So if you think about that, I don't know how prophetic Nephi thought he was being at this, but when you think about it, what did Moses do? One of the things he did was to part the Red Sea so that the Israelites could go uh, on the dry land. And what does Nephi do a little bit later on? He builds a ship and they cross the, the waters. So he's, he's similar to Moses in that. The other thing is that Moses killed a person in defense of someone else. And so Nephi is going to have to kill somebody in defense of his family. And so um, very similar to Moses. And I, I don't know that he knew that when he said it, but uh, he certainly was like Moses. Uh, and so there uh, in verse 3, um, he says, you know, hey, we got to trust. The angel said we could do this, so let's do it. So then down, down in verse 5, he says, uh, it says, by night I caused that I should that they should hide themselves, and he went into the city, crept into the city to 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 go. And it says he, he did not know where he was going. He was just led by the Spirit, but he was heading toward Laban's house. Uh, I don't know if he'd been there before. Maybe he had, have, since there are family members, he might have might have been there before. Verse 7, then, it, say, it mentions that he finds him in the street, and uh, Laban is drunk. He's unconscious. And the first thing he does, remember that uh, Laban has already threatened them three times with their lives. So the very first thing that Nephi does when he comes across him is to pull off his sword to disarm him. So that if he does wake up, uh, he'll, he'll be able to defend himself. Uh, but notice that he mentions the workmanship of the sword. Kind of a typical teenager, isn't it? To um, kind of think that's cool. Um, in verse 10, he's commanded by the Spirit to kill Laban. And of course, he's 
not wanting to do that, but eventually the Spirit um, convinces him that this is the right thing to do. And from an Old Testament perspective, uh, he had every right to do this because it was would have been self-defense to uh, to protect his himself and his family by killing Laban. Even though we don't think of it that way, that's uh, exactly what uh, Old Testament uh, scriptures and, and the law was, that you could do that. That was totally justified. Uh, down to verse 19 then, he, he kills Laban, and then he puts on his clothing and walks to the house of Laban, where he sees the servant and and uh, convinces him to open up the treasury so that he could get out the plates and and then he's going to want he wants Laban, he wants Zoram then to follow him out to the to the gates of the city where his brethren are and then he's going to uh, join with the family and of course that's uh, not Zoram's initial response. Now the thought is why would he why would it be necessary for Laban to be killed? Why couldn't he just have left him in the street drunk? We know that. Uh, other other individuals that were prophesying against Israel uh, were, even though they fled into Egypt, they were chased after and brought back to Jerusalem and killed. And so Le um, Lehi's life was truly in danger. And so here, if they'd, they had left Laban alive, he would have definitely gone after them and done everything that he could to uh, to kill them. And so they, they're able to bring Zoram. Nephi um, uh, swears an oath to Zoram that he'll be one of them and be a free person. And so Zoram goes down with the family. Now, let's go to chapter 5. Now, keep in mind that um, as long as it took them to get down to the place that they're camping at, it would have taken as long, a little bit less time probably for them to go up to Jerusalem and about that much time to come back. But because of the of them not being able to get the plates right away, they probably had to spend a, a few extra days and maybe even a week or more uh, in Jerusalem or around there. Uh, until they were able to get the plate. So you can imagine that, that mom, Sariah, is pretty concerned about that. And so she's telling her husband uh, that she's pretty upset. And she mentions, it mentions that she's complaining uh, to her husband uh, in verse 1. If you go down to verse 10 then, after they had given thanks, so the brothers come back now. And then Sariah finally says, uh, uh, now I know that my husband is, uh, has been commanded to do this. Uh, then Lehi looks over the, the records, the brass plates, and sees that they're uh, containing the five books of Moses and the words of the prophets down to Jeremiah. It mentions that this is happening during the reign of King Zedekiah and, uh, and that uh, he finds also on the plates a genealogy of his family. And so this is a significant record that they need to keep and to take with them. Uh, it mentions in verse 18 that these plates of brass should go forth unto all nations, kindreds, tongues, and people. Uh, who were his seed. In other words, the brass plates, the translation thereof is going to go forward. Well, that hasn't happened yet, uh, but that's a promise that we have uh, sometime either before the millennium or during the millennium when that'll happen. And so that's a significant uh, prophecy as well. So let's go to chapter six then. Uh, chapter six is, um, he's mentioning in verse two uh, that he's a descendant of Joseph. Uh, we know from uh, other writings that uh, Lehi's family, or Lehi is a descendant of Manasseh, and that Ishmael was a descendant of Ephraim, and so we have both of the tribes of Joseph being represented. Uh, he's also mentioning here uh, what he's going to be writing on the plates, that the historical record will be on the, the uh, large plates, and the ecclesiastical or the spiritual will be on the small plates. And so there, that's the difference that he's telling the rest of the writers to do as well. Uh, so chapter 6 is a very small one, and that's about all it covers. So chapter 7, uh, the Lord tells Lehi he has another uh, task for the boys to do, uh, and that is that uh, 
they need to go back to Jerusalem um, and bring down Ishmael's family with them so that uh, the, the, the boys can have wives to, to, to get married to. And so uh, this is the time when Laman and Lamech do not murmur. Uh, they go back to Jerusalem and they convince uh, Ishmael and his family to come down into the wilderness with them. Um, it just so happens that the right number of uh, family members match up with, uh, with Lehi's family so that there's enough. Now look at verse 6. As we journeyed, behold, Laman and Lemuel and two of the daughters of Ishmael and the two sons of Ishmael and their families. So we know that um, from other writings that the two sons of Ishmael were already married to, the, to two of the daughters of, of Lehi. And so that's how the family is connected, uh, that there was already a marriage between them. So this, the two daughters of Lehi are married uh, to two of the sons of Ishmael. And, uh, and that Ishmael has three other daughters. Um, and so this is going to be for Nephi, Sam, and for um, Zoram as well. And so this is uh, pretty significant that all of these match up pretty good. Uh, now you wonder, okay, what about jo Jacob and Joseph? They don't have a wife. Well, uh, maybe the older sons of Ishmael already had some children. And so uh, Joseph and Jacob could have married cousins uh, that they had uh, with them already. Uh, down to verse... Um, 16 is uh, he's he's again talking to his brothers who are kind of not getting it um, and they threaten Nephi to kill him and so they try to do that he breaks their he breaks the bands that uh, they've tied him up with and and uh, as they they he gets out of that and eventually they uh, they apologize in verse 20 it mentions they were sorrowful because of their wickedness and so much that they did bow down before me now the bowing down was not worshiping it was more of a submission or a asking for forgiveness thing uh, verse 21 that mentions that he that nephi frankly forgives them all that they had done and so now they're able to get down to the tent of their father again and and uh, carry on with the journey now that they've got the plates they've got the ishmael's family and now they can uh, they can move on I hope that this has been helpful. Uh, stick around for the next podcast and we'll continue. Talk to you later. Bye. If you want additional details of each chapter, you can go to the individual ones too. That'll help you. Bye.